for another episode talking about the OC. I am one of your hosts, Josh Kuypers. I'm the other host, Anthony Hookman. And we are here to talk about episode 102, The Model Home. Uh, Anthony, I don't know about you, but in watching these first two episodes of the OC today, I just felt like super cozy as I was watching yeah. it. Like this, <laughs> this feels like home. This yeah. feels like a happy place. <laughs> it really does. I'm excited like, to be watching this. Yeah. I'm interested to see how long that feeling lasts. Um, yeah. But yeah, like this really, this show really just brings me back. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it simultaneously brings me back to like multiple times in my life. It brings me back to before I was even really like aware of it, or at least had never watched it, but it brings me back to 2003 when Mm -hmm. I was in high school. It brings me back to probably 2010 when I watched it for the first time. And then it brings me back to when I watched it with Lindsay for the first time in like 2013, 2014. So there's just a lot of good feelings around this. Uh, It's a very, yeah, so far has been a very like easy watching show. Right. Yes. Like there's stuff going on, but it's also like <laughs> a little pulpy, like just for sure. Easy to take in. It's definitely like, and just knowing what's coming to like, it's definitely soapy, but not in a like lame way. It's soapy, like almost in a pro wrestling way, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, listeners of Reliving the Lights will know that. At some point or another, we will definitely go on a professional wrestling tangent yes. that nobody will care about except for you and I. <laughs> yes. But that's um, okay. In the last episode, we decided that my things were movies, music, and uh, sneakers. Uh, pro wrestling would definitely be added to that list. Um, and <laughs> now, uh, and I was going to introduce this later, but... Uh, whiskey is kind of slowly coming onto that list i don't i'm not Ah. trying to become a whiskey guy because i know that it's an expensive hobby if you get really into it Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty satisfied with like a you know a 40 to 80 dollar bottle like i don't need Mm -hmm. to get into like the real wild shit um i drink (laughs) whiskey that's older than me so i'm like that's i can cross that off the list i'm good um nice a lot of the whiskey i like is uh pretty reasonably priced and i don't think that you know, it's one of those things where for me, it's, it's like, you know, it's 750 milliliters, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not, I just can't justify more than like maybe $100 on a bottle. And that's like a special occasion bottle, real mm-hmm. special occasion bottle. Speaking of, well, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I am still putting down the Lagunitas IPAs from last week. I nice. actually went and grabbed another one. Uh, in between episodes because I did not want to crack open the Bud Light. So sure. I'm sticking with this. It is tasty and delicious. Uh, in our group chat, we talked about Jordan Peterson going to a Nashville bar. Uh, <laughs> yes. Lagunitas discovering IPA. live music. Yes. Just in discovering live music. Lagunitas IPA brings me back to that same exact Nashville bar where I drank a lot of these and listened to a cover band play uh, lots of 90s songs like Weezer and... Uh, things like that. So, and if if uh, memory serves, you also cried a few tears about how great live music is. 
Yeah, Jordan, Jordan, and I uh, just kind of embraced and hugged it out and just wept in each other's <laughs> arms uh, about that. So, uh, so am I to understand you are drinking some whiskey now? So I've got, and this is my first serving. Uh, I've got the Digits whiskey, which is made by Scotty Pippen. Yes, um, I was hoping that was the whiskey that you were drinking. Yes, um, as you know, and as any. Everybody who's probably talked to me about the NBA for more than like 10 minutes knows uh, Scotty Pippen is my favorite basketball player of all time. I was a 90s Bulls kid, um, but always like Scotty. I mean, obviously, I like Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan is like a bad person for sure. So uh, Scotty Pippen also might be a bad person, but I don't know for sure. Um, I'm sending you a picture right now. <laughs> um, of This picture that I just found uh, of Scotty Pippen, like a few days ago and it cracks me up. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, I oh, bought this bottle. Um, I bought this bottle last week, uh, maybe two weeks ago and I have now cracked it and drinking the first serving right now. So we got Scotty Pippen having a drink of, of his own whiskey and just looking haggard as hell. He looks rough. <laughs> this is not a good picture of him. He looks happy, though. He looks genuinely he happy. He does. He does. That's good. I feel like Scotty Pippen has not been a genuinely happy person for a good portion of his life. <laughs> That's probably, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it Yeah. When it comes to his basketball career, he was very successful, but I think he always did not like the fact that he was second to michael jordan so anyway sorry uh, it's just, good whiskey though uh, it's not bad um okay. i'll have to spend some more time with it um it's got a weird like the initial taste is just kind of flat and then like it, the rest of the taste kind of comes with a like an aftertaste so mm. we'll see but not a big I've aftertaste got, guy. I feel like that's where things usually go south is the aftertaste. But um, after this, uh, I do have a few grain belts lined up, though. And then oh, maybe nice. next week, I've got another celebrity uh, whiskey that I'll keep secret for now. Mm. Um, but maybe I'll crack that bottle for for episode three. We'll see. Can I? Can I make a guess? Yeah. No, I don't think it's going to be right. But okay. the only other celebrity whiskey I can think of is Proper 12, Conor McGregor. Sure. No, it is not. Uh, not no, it is not. I bad. heard he sold that for like a lot of money. So no longer uh, associated with Conor McGregor. All right, that's what we're drinking. Uh, let's get into the episode. So break it down for me, guys, and don't be afraid to be honest. We are already on episode 201. Or no, no. We're already on episode 102. Uh, this episode is entitled The Model Home. It originally aired August 12th of 2003. Is it normal for like new episodes of a show to come out in August? I feel like that's before premiere times. Yeah, August 12th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I just look. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I just looked. The first episode aired August 5th. So, interesting. 
Um, but yeah, it is entitled The Model Home. Uh, Anthony, what do we have on IMDb for some plot synopses for the episode? Okay. <laughs> nice. Pretty vague. I don't, I, it does kind of sum things up. Definitely the main gist of the episode. What does Anonymous have to say about it, though? <clears throat> We're already off to a bad grammar start. <laughs> Sorry. Good. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was that was nice. That was impressive. We had run-ons, we have grammatical errors, we have yeah, just the whole gamut there. It's got to be Movie Dude 1. I think it is. God, what if Movie Dude 1 like we're just like in the middle of season 3 and Movie Dude 1 shows up for a stretch of episode synopses like that'd be incredible, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely good evidence. (laughs) Ah, man. I still, you know, the last, as I stalked him on the internet, the last I could tell, he lived in St. Petersburg, and I go to St. Petersburg every year. I got to find this guy, man. All right. Let's get into the episode. Music cue. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. I knew he had. I didn't know that he had one on the Last Kiss soundtrack, but in in my heart, I knew that he had a song on the Last Kiss soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I bet that was incredible. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. This guy's got chops, though. Yes. Dude, the Washington Pavilion is awesome for that too. Do you remember like in six at your in during your sixth grade field trip when you went to Washington Pavilion? You saw the symphony and and like the conductor wrinkled a dollar bill on stage and we were sitting I was sitting yeah, so we were sitting literally in the last rows of the of the Washington Pavilion auditorium and he like took a dollar bill and like crinkled it and you could hear it perfectly from the top row. So I bet Rufus Wainwright just belting it out in there. Jeez. Woo. Yes. Yes. Dude. Yes. That's it's it's steep up there, and you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna fall hundred feet down to the floor. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anyway, for all of you that haven't been in the Washington Pavilion, we'll continue on with the episode. <laughs> yes, and Rufus Wainwright. Yes. <laughs> California's doing Californian shit is is what's happening. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's definitely not the case. Yeah, but <laughs> But, <laughs> nah, nah, unless, that's exactly what I was going to say, unless you're Jimmy Cooper and you're absolutely screwed. Uh, first thing we see, Ryan and Seth lounging in the pool, being carefree Californians. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're on like day two of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of bros. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. They're already yeah, they're already thick as thieves for sure. Uh, but it's time for dinner. I think uh Sandy maybe did some grilling. Outside, it looked like he was bringing stuff in. We see Kirsten. She's having an intense conversation on the phone about a model house and selling lots before, like, by Christmas or something like that. Obviously very stressful for her. Mm-hmm. Nope, not at all. Right, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, Ryan, it's funny because when he, he says that losing our virginity line, Ryan kind of gives him a look like. <laughs> um, I didn't notice the look, but as I wrote down the, the line, I thought like, yeah, this definitely isn't applicable to Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, Ryan just kind of wants to take it easy, though. Um, yep. He doesn't want to do anything big. Yep. Um, the family and Ryan sit down for dinner. They kind of have a laugh about how irregular it is for them to sit down to a dinner, a home cooked meal, I should say. Uh, they kind of yep. have a laugh about Kirsten's cooking. Yep. Uh, I wrote down this quote as well. Uh, now, mom, we're not saying we want you to cook more. Hell no. Remember the meatloaf incident of 98? <laughs> Kirsten says it was brisket. Seth says, yeah, that's my point. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. I think we've talked about this maybe on the Friday Night Lights show, but um, it's always weird to me that there's people that can't cook. Like, I understand that, like, mistakes can happen. Matter of fact, made a cooking mistake myself earlier this uh, earlier this week. But it like that happens for me. So, like, irregularly that it's weird for me that there's people that just have absolutely no confidence in the kitchen that they like that. They absolutely like feel like they're absolutely going to fuck something up. That's insane to me. Cooking is literally a test of whether you can follow instructions or not. Like at its right. at its core. Like yeah, can you yeah. read a recipe and do what it says? Right. That's and all even it is. then and even then, like unless you're baking, you can get a pretty Yeah, free there's with tons it. of wiggle room. Yeah, <laughs> there's absolutely. So much wiggle room. <laughs> I don't get it either. Uh it's fascinating to me. Um Angie will hate me, but keep this in. Um, there was <laughs> at one point, this has probably been like a year ago now, where Angie was like, I maybe I wasn't feeling well or I was really tired or something. Maybe I was hungover. And Angie was like, Oh, do you want me to make, make some mac and cheese or something? I was like, Yeah, mac and cheese sounds good. And like literally the instructions on the box of mac and cheese are like God, you're gonna you're hitting my like <laughs> anger spot, but yes, this is mac and it's mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. It says, put the pasta into a colander, put milk into the pan and some butter, and then you mix the the powder in with the thing, and then you put the, um, you, you make the sauce, and then you put the noodles back in. So I look, and she's dumping powder all over the noodles in the pan, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a Karen. <laughs> But like, <laughs> this is gonna be chunky. It's gonna be. It's like all you have to. Do, I'm just like read. I'm begging you, read the instructions. I love you. <laughs> I do. I regularly have the thought that it's so hilarious to me that somebody decided that I'm the person they want to be married to. That's so <laughs> crazy to me. <laughs> so, you know, by all means. But like, just read the instructions. There's like, it's mac and cheese. There's like five steps. Oh, bro, we, 
have had so many fights, or at least in my mind, I've had so many <laughs> internal fights about how Lindsay makes mac and cheese and how I make mac and cheese. It's the same thing. Like, there are measurements on the box <laughs> yes. because that is the optimal amount. If you want to make the best mac and cheese possible, they have figured that out for you. Yes. It's written on the box. Yes. Just do that, and that's going to be the best possible mac and cheese you can make. But no, just dump some of this in and dump some of that in and call it good. Well, okay, now you have macaroni soup. Like, yes. Yeah. Great. Or you have so, macaroni with just chunks of stuck together uh, freaking powder on it. I don't, uh, you don't want that. No. No. It's no. <laughs> really funny. It's really funny because that is 100% like a very specific gripe <laughs> about cooking that I have. Oh. I just want to go on record and say, uh, Angie and Lindsay, we love you. Yes, uh, very much. You are fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. We will accept your poor macaroni and cheese skills uh, because you, yeah, uh, make up for it <laughs> in a thousand different ways. Yes, and yes. we will definitely have them on the show at some point. Yeah, oh, so for sure, for sure. You will get to meet them and hear from them, and yes. they have very good things to to say. Um, so. <laughs> yes. Good insight. Beautiful women. We love them. Um, we love them. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Moving on. Uh, so next we see Sandy basically walking Ryan through signing himself into a foster care group home, um, which is a real bummer to watch. Seth is uh, vocally angry that they're shipping him off when they definitely have plenty of room for him at their house and in the pool house. Yeah. Um, and so kind of a Seth- tough scene. Seth kind of makes a comment about like, you know, if he goes into a group home, like, oh yeah, everybody wants to adopt a shiny new 16 year old, uh, um, yep. which is actually something that Angie and I have talked about. <laughs> like it'd yeah. be dope to like, mm-hmm. just adopt like a 16 year old and just give him a really good life for, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that going. But then, you know, I feel like if you make it to, I mean, there's got to be a good kid in there. I mean, for sure. Probably a lot of really good kids make it to mm-hmm. 16 a group home. Just, but, but then you think about like block this name out. But I think about like, when I think about like what a 16 year old is and probably like in the group home is probably like a Sean Burdett type. Who's just like an insane uh-huh. person, you know, um, there's gotta be a lot of those too. But anyway, like yeah, I said, dude. block that, block that name out. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> Man, that that is the biggest need for sure. Right. Like right. teenagers. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, we had a twelve year old, so bordering on being a teen. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, when we adopted Diamond, it was like we cannot keep this twelve year old in our home because she mm-hmm. is unstable and right. dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it was the hardest literally the hardest decision we've ever made as a married couple. Um, but we had to kind of move on from that. I believe that. Foster care placement. So uh, if you are, you know, inclined towards foster care, I I uh, would suggest you check it out and do some education or educate yourself on it and look into what it takes because uh, that is a huge need and there are lots of kids out there who <laughs> need somebody just to be decent to them. Yeah. So, so if you have any questions about that, you can call Josh Kuypers at 605-680. You can reach out to me on Twitter and we can talk about foster care. I will not sugarcoat anything about it. But. 
All right, opening credits. Uh, our iconic. Uh, yes, so good. Opening credit scene. Did we get the full opening credit scene on the first one, or was it kind of like no? A, it was a yeah, cold like open. That. Cold open on uh, Ryan and Trey stealing the car, and then it was just the theme song and oh. the credits playing while Ryan is calling people. Yep. So now we get we get the the opening credits proper. Mm-hmm. on this episode yeah i think it played maybe more of the song like it may have maybe not all of the song but it played i think more of the song over those over that scene yep uh after the credits it's nighttime we see ryan waking up in the night in the pool house he puts on his clothes packs up his stuff in his backpack and he is obviously going to run away um but seth is still up and he kind of catches him in the in the process of running away. Uh, I don't know, kind of in <laughs> asked to go with him. He's like, "Let me go with you." Um, yeah. And so uh, I don't remember how it all comes about, but Seth eventually says he's got a better idea than what Ryan has planned. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, Seth goes to pack a bag. Yep. We see Seth packing stuff up. Sandy knocks on the door. Uh, Seth pretends to be sleeping, kind of brushes him off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sandy's like, how could you be sleeping at a time like this? Um, (laughs) We're going to have more discussions as this moment plays out, but I have a, I'm very curious as to what time of night it is because it's clearly late enough that Ryan feels comfortable trying to sneak sneak out. out. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that maybe Sandy couldn't sleep and and is also like surprised that Seth can sleep. Um, But we get more. Oh yeah. So then after we see Seth brush off Sandy, Ryan goes outside waiting for Seth to like also come and sneak out with him. And Marissa, guess what she's doing? You're never going to believe it. She's standing and waiting on the curb for Luke to pick her up again, or someone, or maybe it was her friends to pick her up. But like, yeah, what time is it? My thought was in my household when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. the hours that I, it was common for me to be awake, but my parents to be in bed would have been like probably 11 o'clock to I mean, probably two o'clock. I stayed up till two o'clock a lot, but probably most commonly 11 to one. So Sandy was surprised that Seth was still up. I I thought about this a lot too. Sandy was surprised that Seth was in bed, I should say. Right. So makes me think it's after or it's before one. But after 11. But the, yes, but after 11, that would be my guess. And I don't know that. I mean, as far as Marissa goes, that seems unreasonable to be going out at that hour. Yeah. But I also wasn't a super rebellious teen, so I don't know what kind I of mean, shenanigans rebellious teens get up to at eleven p.m. to one. A.m. I wasn't. I wasn't a rebellious teen, but I was a rebellious early twenties uh, <laughs> fella, and I guess I just wasn't leaving the house at midnight. Like I think if if I was at home at midnight. I was probably just like, oh, the night's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an L. Um, <laughs> even if I, even if I would have gotten a text at midnight, like, hey, come to where this party is. I'd be like, oh yeah, this isn't happening. You know, like yeah. it's, you know, yep. chalk it up. So yeah, it's very confusing. 
Because when you see Ryan sneaking out, you assume like 3 a.m. Right. But then, yeah, it, that doesn't track with the rest of it. So mm. good question. I'm going to go ahead and say I feel that it is between 11 and 1. Because then, because then there's something else later in this scene also, but we'll get to it. Um, Because I wrote down what time is it twice in my notes here. Anyway, (laughs) Seth comes out. He's looking like the the drummer from that thing you do um, with the turtle, the black turtleneck. Uh (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, It fits well with the Jack Kerouac reference from later on. Yes, it does. The the yuppie uh, image of the black turtleneck. Which is beret. We'll talk about that scene in a moment. That yes. scene and another scene because that is once yes. again what I, I talked about is as well. What I talked about last episode about Josh Schwartz writing his teenage characters to be way too cultured. Uh-huh. Um anyway, we'll yes, get there. I already yep. I know where you're going with that. Um, Seth Seth comes out, he's got the he's got the he's got the beatnik uh, black <laughs> turtleneck on. Yeah. Um Marissa mentions that it's Summer's birthday. Seth says Summer's birthday isn't until Wednesday, which is <laughs> maybe keep that to yourself, Seth. Embarrassing. Yes, for sure. Uh, Marissa can tell that the boys are up to something. She ends up joining them and not going to Summer's birthday party yet. Um, yes. We get this is the first. Yep. Yep. yep, scene where we talk about this. Um so before we go into what she what Marissa listens to, uh she says that she listens she likes to listen to punk. Uh and Seth Cohen comes in with our second Avril Levine reference out of two episodes. We're we're batting a hundred percent on Avril Levine <laughs> episodes so yes. far in the series. It'd be uh, funny if says, like like Seinfeld they work a Superman reference in every episode if the OC worked <laughs> in a uh, reference Avril to Avril Levine. Levine episode. Be a good bet. Yes. Uh but Avril is uh Seth says that Avril Levine doesn't count as punk and then Marissa lists off just a very legit yeah. list of punk bands that she listens to. Like beyond, like she lists the class and clash and the sex pistols, but then she lists like a couple that even I haven't heard of, but I think yeah. punk is mostly bullshit. Agreed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched the decline of Western civilization series. Um, there are three documentaries uh, by Penelope yeah. Spheris who directed Wayne's world. Um, nice. They're all very good. So they were all directed three um one was came out in the 70s one came out in the 80s and one came out in the 90s um and so like the 70s one is about the rise of punk the 80s one is about like the rise of hair metal that one's my favorite one um even though i fucking also hate hair metal um and then the third one is about like the resurgence of punk in the late 90s Mm -hmm. like before pop punk but like yeah it's really really interesting stuff but like Man, punk just is not for me. <laughs> I want to get it, but I don't. I like the class. I, I'm sure if the, I was there, I yeah. would get it, but no. Yes. Listen it's to something, it now, pass. It's something that I respect. You'll never catch me listening to Black Flag or the Sex Pistols. No. I no. like the clash because the clash, but here's the thing about the, here's the, the weird thing about punk is that punk kind of became new wave, right? Like right. that mm-hmm. is a, 
it's weird, but I can see that through right. line. I, yep. If you would have told me that five years ago, I probably wouldn't have been able to see that through line. But now as I've like kind of studied like the rise of punk and then the rise of new wave, like it makes sense. But it's really, really weird that punk kind of became new wave. Um, and I like new wave stuff, but like and that I think Clash Clash is one of those bands that kind of the bridges bridge. the gap for me where they're like oh yeah, we, you know, are like British and rude, but also like we know how to write a melody. <laughs> you know, it's not just like us thrashing at our guitars and yelling stuff, you know? Yeah. Rancid, Black Flag, all that stuff. Like, I'm glad they were, I'm glad they came along because they probably produced, like led to a lot of bands that I like, but yeah. They're not for me specifically. Yeah, I respect it, but yeah, I'm I can't imagine myself listening to it. So <laughs> sorry, people who are really into punk who uh, listen to the show. I am not into it. Um I feel like that's mostly gotta be people who are older than us, and I can't imagine a lot of people older than us listening to right. a podcast about the OC. So um one of our trivia team members when we lived in Brookings uh was a big like dead Kennedy's like punk guy uh mm-hmm. and when i had watched the the first decline of western civilization my friend adam had also watched it uh we kind of both had the conversation of we watched the movie and we both agree that punk is bullshit and this guy was like super <laughs> mad at us and he's like 50 you know um sure. it's like all right dude <laughs> sorry Can't that makes sense he was there and we weren't so right right uh, Marissa's explanation of why she likes that stuff is because she's angry. <laughs> she says, I'm angry. So, yeah. okay, fair enough. There is, there was not a pretty popular girl high schooler in the entire United States in 2003 who was listening to angry 70s punk. I'm sorry, Zero. it was not happening. There was not a single one. The closest you probably could have gotten around that time period was like, freaking good charlotte or something yeah. like yeah. that is what girls who are angry listen to yes including my wife Lindsay. <laughs> <I love you. laughs> uh, <laughs> uh all right so uh they're driving along she says they're angry they pull up to the model house that was never finished so this is what kirsten was uh alluding to or referring to on the phone earlier um So looks like they're going to maybe set Ryan up in the model house, cut back to the Cohen household. Kirsten is angry on the phone. Once again, I'm confused at what time it is. She's on the phone with the contractors. Yes. This, I also (laughs) thought at this point, like, geez, Lou, what, uh, this seems like an inappropriate hour for a business call. Yeah. It's, Um, it's gotta be past 11. Yeah. Like 11 at minimum. Yeah. So she's on the phone with the contractor, um, and it sounds like they're not going to come back. They're done for whatever reason. We don't really know why, um, but they're bailing on it. Then we go back to the model home now. Um, okay. Seth, like, dramatically unveils the best part of the house, which is an empty pool. And Ryan is like, it's just an empty pool. But then Seth, like, is excited because he can skateboard in it. There's a skate ramp built into the empty pool at the model yes. house. 
Yeah, it's wow. maybe that was just some leftover lumber that just happened to be placed in the right, <laughs> the right spot. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> and also like the metal rail on the lip of the ramp. Uh, speaking of which, I bought Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, like the yes. remaster. Yep. For It was on sale and I played through it all. Got to tell you, played that game a lot when I was in high school infinitely easier when you have a smartphone and you can look up how do I wall ride five bells on the school <laughs> level of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1. That makes uh, sense. Infinitely yeah. easier but still extremely fun. Those games rock. Yes. Uh, I bought that that I bought the remaster when it first like day one release. Um uh-huh. and it's interesting because I feel like we in general have moved on to the analog stick but back then i was playing on the d-pad and so that was the thing that i found it the hardest to adjust Mm -hmm. to but also just in general i had a really hard time adjusting back to those controls and i know that i i know that i played hours and hours of that game and i haven't had the same issue with like been playing a lot of nfl blitz Uh, i have had no trouble jumping back into that Uh uh-huh um so i don't know what it what it is that Huh. I, in my mind, it's the change from the D-pad to the analog yeah, stick. But. For sure. Now, I played on the Nintendo 64, so I did use sure. the that makes the difference stick for that. So that's probably... But there are some moves that I... When I want to do a certain move, I will flip over to the D-pad for mm-hmm. like one of my specials uh, because it's just easier to do mm-hmm. it that way, but... Uh, yeah, there's a skate park built into the model house empty pool. And of course, Seth is a like skater kid because of course, of course he, is. he is. Yep, absolutely. We all wanted to be, even if for we sure we're not. Carter and I tried to be. We yeah. skated around in the Mark's food <laughs> parking lot a lot, but that was about it. Um, yeah, I tried my hand and it turns out was not good. <laughs> now Seth does ride a longboard some uh instead of just a regular skateboard some in this episode like when they're at the diner and I did longboard extensively um sure. in my college and post college years but uh as Seth is skating in the the empty pool Ryan and Marissa are having some In-N-Out burger. Have you ever had In-N-Out burger? I have, yeah. A few times. It's very very good, you know. Yeah. It's very hyped up, but it mostly lives up to the hype. Here's the thing. Of all the regional chains, I think it's of of all so I'm gonna say the big at least three like regional chains that people get obsessed with. There's gotta be a fourth though. There's four. So you've got Whataburger in the south in yep. like Texas. You've got In and Out, which is the Southwest. Yep. You've got Culver's, which is the Midwest, mm. and you've got Shake Shack, which is like the East Coast. Okay, I would say In and Out is probably my second favorite behind Shake Shack, nice. and that's Never maybe part partially due to proximity to Culver's. But I think Culver's is like extremely overrated. Yeah, I I do think it's probably just because we're used to it and it's not a treat at all. I feel the same way about Taco John's. Maybe maybe if I moved away from the Midwest, I would be one of those people who really just like had to have Taco John's every time I came back to the Midwest. Like, I know those people. 
I don't get it. I think Taco John's is so the only thing that Taco John's has is the potato lays. lays. Absolutely. That's that is what it has. You cannot make an argument for any taco or burrito on that menu. It is the potato lays. It's the nacho cheese with the potato lays. Yes. If you have not had that, like, please fly to the Midwest immediately (laughs) and have some potato lays with nacho cheese. It is yeah. fantastic. But yeah. yeah. I think even like, I'm pretty sure that there's Taco John's all the way, because it started in Wyoming, which is just hilarious that there's a yeah. fast food, ta- regional ta- fast food taco place that started in Wyoming. But I'm pretty sure that they've expanded to even like, I think in like Northern Nevada, you can even get it and like parts yep. of Colorado and stuff. Right. So like, you know, I think Taco John's is more prolific than we think it is, but I just, it's fine. It's one of those things that every now and then it will hit the spot, but like yep. nine times out of 10, Probably, yeah, nine times out of ten, we'll say. I was going to say 92 out of 100, but no, we'll stick to nine out of ten. I'm going to go Taco Bell. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Uh, for sure. I, I enjoy a grilled grilled stuffed burrito from Taco John's, Man. but if I have the option, I'm going Taco Bell yep. every time. Yep. All right. Uh, so they're eating in and out. Seth is skating in the background. They kind of talk about their problems with their parents. So uh, Ryan's mom, issues with his mom, and Marissa's dad and her issues with him. Um, Luke calls Marissa on her cell, which is a nice flip phone, a little bit of a 2003 reference there. Mm -hmm. Um, Says, you know, hey, you should be at the alcohol party that we're at (laughs) right now, drinking at right now. Um, and Marissa says, yeah, I'll be there in a bit. Uh, after that, Ryan asks, after she hangs up, Ryan asks, how long have you been with him? Marissa says, not sure. Seth immediately, uh, interjects and says, I know fifth grade. You two got your Mac on, on the class trip to the museum of tolerance back of the bus, classy lady. Seth with a little slut shaming right off the bat. Again, Seth not aging as as well as we'd wish yeah. he would. And also, like, that's a weirdly obsessive detail for two people that he claims to not really care about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because it has nothing to do with summer. So Right. Um, this is where Marissa calls him out for thinking he's better than everyone, which I was like, damn, you're right, Marissa. That's preach. Um, <laughs> but. He says, I am better than Luke uh, because Luke shaves his chest. And uh, I he also makes some comment about uh, half the... Oh, Marissa's like, yeah, that's because he plays water polo. And then Seth is like, yeah, I know that half the team tried to beat us up last night. Yep. Um, this leads to a continuity error that I observed. Uh, I'm pretty sure either earlier in this episode or in episode one, I specifically noticed that Luke had chest hair mm. because I was like, damn, he's a high school kid and he's like got <laughs> chest hair popping out the top of his collar. Like that's a little much. So, but then in this episode, they say he shaves his chest. So maybe it's uh maybe it's not water polo season. He's letting it grow out. That could be it. That could be it. It doesn't Probably need the, I don't know the what water polo season is, but yeah, doesn't doesn't need the hydrodynamics of the. <laughs> that must be it. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, but then there, <clears throat> sorry. 
Then they're exploring the model house. Uh, Summer calls, asks where Marissa is. Marissa tells her that, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. Um, And they all kind of vow, Seth, Ryan, and Marissa kind of vow to keep the model house a secret. Yep. So, um, after the three tour the the house and they get the call and Marissa gets called, they decide to split up. And then the next day we see Sandy is coming to pick up uh, Ryan from the pool house to take him to the group home or whatever. Um, Finds out that he's gone. Um, We get a scene of Seth and Marissa kind of talking on the phone about the whole situation and Sandy catches Seth and tries to talk about Ryan. Um, Seth kind of plays it aloof. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marissa, meanwhile, tries to leave home, but Luke has shown up uh, with plans <laughs> to to go on the boat, go on his dad's boat that day. Yeah, Julie is is uh, serving him breakfast, and he's chowing down. Um, uh, yeah, he wants to take her out on the boat. We see the cops questioning Seth. Um, then we see Julie Cooper asking jimmy for a check for caitlin who is uh marissa's little sister uh asking for a check for her horse riding lessons jimmy is obviously stressed out about money and doesn't want to pay for the horse like do we really need this does she really need to do this um he like tries to explain the situation to julie and she's basically like no, I don't want to hear it. Shut up. You know, I hate to hear about your work. Like, yeah, unless someone has cancer or is dying, uh, I'm sure you'll take care of it. So, yeah. And I think in, in a way, especially like later on, it kind of implies that it seems like she knows that maybe things aren't all peachy keen, uh, but just mm-hmm. kind of wants to block it out. But we'll we'll get to that. Yep. Um. Marissa makes an excuse to not go boating with Luke. I don't remember what it is, but it's, it's a good oh, one. to go get pedicures uh, or whatever. Well, no, she hasn't. She has an appointment. She said, yeah, pedicures partially, but she says that she has an appointment with a really good, like waxer person. Yes. <laughs> that like, it doesn't even hurt when they yank out your hair. And so she doesn't want to, and she says, Hey, you could come along and get a manicure. They're not just for girls, which she knows Luke will turn down. Yes. So, do you think Luke would be interested maybe in the waxing since he shaves his chest during shaves the season? His chest. Maybe. Yeah. You know. Anyway, um, back at the <laughs> model home, uh, the three, Marissa, Seth, and Ryan, go over what they brought for Ryan to live in the model home. Um, kind of a joke here because Marissa brings a lot of like non essentials. <laughs> Um, moisturizers and what yeah um and then they realize that nobody brought food so they go on a food run yep seth is on his skateboard and then ryan is on his bmx bike and marissa is running and then at some point marissa uh ryan lets marissa ride on the pegs and she is all up on him uh, hanging on, you know, draped over his back. Um, they're getting up close and personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, made a note that Marissa gives Ryan a mix CD 
like model house mix or model home mix. And I was hoping I made a note of it because I was hoping we would find out what was on the mix, but we, we, we did not. So, uh, I doubt it'll come up later, but I was hoping we would, we did not. Yeah. Josh Schwartz come on the show. Tell us what's on the, what's on the model house. (laughs) mix. Yeah. Next, we see Sandy and Kirsten talking about Ryan. Kirsten tells him, you know, just let the cops handle it. This isn't really your responsibility at this point. Um, Sandy kind of says like, hey, this matters to me because I thought I could help. And if nobody had helped me when he was when when I was young, like I wouldn't be here now. So he kind of sees and he alluded to this earlier in conversations with Ryan, but he sees himself a little bit in Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I think at one point Kirsten asks, like, what is it about this kid? Like, why is he so special? Yeah. And, and yeah. Sandy basically just says like, I see a lot of myself in him. And if, if I wouldn't have gotten, you know, a little bit of help, I, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So um, at yeah. the end of the scene, Kirsten gets a call from Jimmy. Jimmy wants to go get lunch. Uh, kudos to, uh, both Jimmy uh, or both Julie and uh, Sandy, who have apparently I'm a big believer of it's only weird if you make it weird. Uh, and obviously <laughs> yeah. this is, you know, uh, they've been respectfully married to other people for what, 16 years at least. Right. So right. Um, but still kudos to them for um, not making it weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you right now if it was one of Angie's exes and we ended up having to live next to them, I would be fine with it. If it was one of my exes and we had to live next to them, Angie would not be okay with it. (laughs) I believe we talked about this on reliving the lights. I'm much closer to Angie on this than, than I am to you, but (laughs) I can understand it both ways. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, um, over at some breakfast place on like a pier, yeah, some um, sort of diner on a pier. Yeah, which feels nearby to the fish shack or whatever it's called. That I comes up thought later. the same thing. Yep. Yeah, the concert venue. Yeah. Yes. Um, Marissa and Seth both find out that their favorite book is on the road. Listen, <laughs> I tried to read on the road when I was like twenty three. I did read on the road when I was like twenty three. Uh-huh. I fucking hated that book when I was twenty three. <laughs> Really? it's yeah. a bunch of bullshit like i mean there's I there's it. it has its moments but for the most part it is some bullshit um the idea that these two 16 year old kids both consider it their favorite book i don't believe them <laughs> uh so i definitely never read that book either uh it was definitely yeah in my like knowledge in my periphery of yeah this is a thing that exists and seems like something that when i was in high school that a person like i wanted to be would read never tried i did read uh zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance Mm -hmm. which is a road or a road a book that i i don't know if it's accurate to associate those together but i read that and I feel like overall did not get it or understand as a 19, 20 year old probably when I read it. And so for Marissa Cooper to be reading on the road with 
by Jack Kerouac. I yeah, I don't think exactly, so. exactly. And that's I guess that's where I was going to try to go with it. Is like maybe if I read that book today, maybe it would resonate with me a little more. I actually just sold my copy like last week uh, oh, really? to Last FC Shop. Um, I did a a real after our move. I did some real purging, and I was like, I'm never going to try to read on the road again. Not knowing that this yeah. conversation would happen, now I'm like, I'm going to have to go buy that copy back. Um, but um yeah but reading it as a young man in 20 like the early 2010s it did not connect with me at all and i feel like frankly given marissa cooper's (laughs) presentation i as a 20 year old was a lot less vapid than marissa cooper as a 16 year old yes yes anyway this is a ridiculous scene once again an example of josh schwartz just loving to make his characters unreasonably cultured uh, and unrealistically cultured. Um, Ryan mentions, this is a nice little connecting moment here. Mm-hmm. Ryan mentions that he's thinking about going to Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. I didn't even make the, the Fragment Lights connection yeah. there for sure. I just thought, yes, when I was in high school, I would also probably want to go to Austin, Texas. I don't know where I would have go, wanted to go when I was in high school. I don't know. I, yeah, I was just into a lot of the music that came out of mm-hmm. Austin then and uh, had been to Austin a couple times by the time I was 19. So, um, as they're having this conversation about uh, this trip to Austin, which Marissa seems very disappointed by, even though she's just met this guy like two days ago. Um, Luke walks into the breakfast place because ah, yes. why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, how many places are there to get upscale breakfast? He already I had guess, breakfast. And, why is he going to the diner you know, for more yeah. breakfast? Julie made him breakfast. His boys, his boys want to, yeah. his boys want to have some brunch or something he's, he's just joining along he's just there for mimosas all right um, <laughs> um uh marissa distracts luke um as ryan and seth try to sneak out of course they're trying to take the back entrance some restaurant employee tells them you got to go out the front it makes a big scene of it mm-hmm. um and uh then Seth like goes out of his way to start a fight with Luke. Yeah. I, well, no. So what happens is they're trying to sneak out the front and Seth ran into like a bus boy. Oh, that's right. Everything clatters to the floor, makes a big scene. Ryan with his hood up sneaks out the door and Seth is like, Oh, Hey guys. And <laughs> Luke, once again, uh, extremely homophobic coming in yes. hot. Uh, shut up queer. Yep. And um, <laughs> then Seth responds, well, at least I'm not shaving my chest. So bringing that back in. Um, and so Luke obviously goes after Seth. Ryan sees it happening, comes back into the diner, steps back in. Uh, Luke, okay, here's a early 2000s pop culture reference. Luke says, uh, so Seth, or not Seth, Ryan has his hood up. And Luke says, you're a little far from eight mile. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Eminem reference there. Uh, and a fight ensues. Add one to the punch counter. I don't know. 
uh, again, if we want to give it more than one, but I feel like it was just a general. This is, this is, yeah. So, yep. Uh, and it's, this is for me, the quote of the episode leading up to the punch is Ryan says to Luke, (laughs) you know what I like about rich kids? Nothing. Bow. I believe it's, you know what I like about rich kids? Punch. That's right. You're correct. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. That's good. Cause Seth comments on that later on. Yep. Very nice. I did not make a note of that, but I definitely remembered it. Um, okay. So back at the model home, Marissa is not happy with Ryan and Seth for the fight. Um, she tries to defend Luke a little bit. I have in my notes. Mm -hmm. Um, but then Jimmy and Kristen, Jimmy Cooper and Kristen, Kirsten. It happened. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who is, what's the actress's name that plays Kirsten? That's a good question. I know it, but I don't know it. I can't think right. of it off the top of my head. There she is. Kelly Rowan. Oh, yes. Kelly Rowan. I would like to formally apologize for messing up the Kirsten Kristen. Um, I'm sure it will happen again. And I would like to apologize in advance. Here's a piece of advice. Yes. Interesting filmography, by the way, looking at Kelly Rowan's filmography, she was Peter's mother in hook. And she was also in one of the straight to video Candyman sequels. Um, but here's the piece of advice <laughs> is that Candyman sucks. Yeah. I'm not a Candyman guy. No. Like none of them, like they're all fine. Or well, I've only seen the original and the the reboot, but they're both fine. I'm oh, sure that the straight to video stuff is not good. Virginia Madsen though, in like '92. Oh big what? Time hottie. What'd you say? Who? Virginia Madsen, the lead actress of Candyman oh, in like '92. Yep. Beautiful woman. Right on. Yes. It was, she was in Sideways in like 2004 when she was like probably oh. late 30s. Beautiful okay. woman. Yeah. Um. Anyway. The way that I always remember that it's Kirsten is Caleb Nickel, her father. His yep. nickname for her is Kiki, which comes in later. So uh, if you remember, it's K-I, K-I is how it starts. Kiki. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Jimmy and Kirsten show up at the model house. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jimmy is kind of fawning over the house. He loves it. He's talking it up. Meanwhile, Marissa There's- and Seth and Ryan are upstairs listening to this happen. There's kind of a fun moment because they were like doing a putting practice, which is something I have to assume that Marissa brought um, (laughs) to the house and like a golf ball goes astray and Kirsten like picks up one of the golf balls and she's like, so this is what those contractors have been doing instead of working, (laughs) Um, which is kind of a fun little moment. But yeah. Yeah. They talk and the three uh, kids overhear them. They hear about the financial woes. Jimmy kind of tells Kirsten like, Hey, I'm kind of in trouble. And Kirsten's like, how much? Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's like, Oh, it's too much. Even like, you know, it's not, you know, that he knows <laughs> it's not too much. Right. right. Like he, he's yeah, like, that's oh, a line. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> but you know, deep down, he's that's like, why they're having this conversation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she kind of pushes him. She's like, how much? 
And he's like, it's like a hundred thousand dollars. So she says, I got it covered. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, it's a little awkward for Seth and Marissa both. Yeah, absolutely. A, because it's weird that their mom and dad are there together alone. Suspicious. Um, but then yeah, also the fact that Jimmy is extremely in debt and Kirsten is just like, yeah, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars. You know what? I'm very curious. This is something we talked about at Friday Night Lights too, but I'm very curious as to how much money both Kirsten and Seth make, because if Kirsten can just straight up cover a hundred K yeah. Without blinking, literally without blinking. Yeah. Like, no hesitation. Very curious about yep. what's, what's, what's going on. I there. felt like with Friday night lights, we were able to kind of come to an educated guess on like how much a Texas high school football head coach would be making in 2005 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that we can do that with a real estate person no. in Newport Beach, California in 2003. But So my friend Sonia, who I worked with in Okoboji, she's now a realtor in Palm Springs, California. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, I feel like what Kirsten does is more than just being a realtor. Right. But she's like a developer. And- yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting because, and this is something we can talk about really quick is how many parallels that I've been able to draw between this show and Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Um, Model home, yeah. Newport Beach. Both shows started in 2003. Both real oh. estate involved. Uh-huh. Um, both aired on Fox in like starting in 2003. Um, the fact what that they the never heck? did a crossover episode is <laughs> kind of like, that seems like something that would have been right up Arrested Development's alley. Right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. It would have been so Two funny to see. Shows, but I think Arrested Development, yeah, would have attempted that. It would have been yeah. so funny to see, like, George Bluth doing, <laughs> like, just, like, a business deal with Caleb Nickel. Like, just a real Absolutely. quick scene or something like that. That would have been so funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought would have thought of that, but yeah, that's, I didn't realize that Arrested Development came out in 2003. Yeah. Huh. That's way earlier than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. It ran 0306 was the original run. Huh. All right. Last thing in that scene is the kids over here, Kirsten saying that the new contractors for the model house are going to be, are going to be there tomorrow. So that tells them that they got to get Ryan out of there because yeah, there will be new people working on the house tomorrow. Next we see Seth uh, in his room on his iMac. Classic uh, computer. Yes. Very not much. The, that's yes, a- not the like uh, CRT monitor with the like color on the sides, like the original IMAX, but the next generation of IMAX yes. with like kind of the rounded the base, little, white yep. base. Yep. With the, with the screen that you could just do the, anything, anything yep. with, you could just move it anywhere, any direction. Brings me back for sure. Very cool computer. You gotta wonder what it was going on under, under that little dome because it was a little tiny dome. 
Yeah. But like, you know, I know what computers look like on the inside. They're not rounded. <laughs> there's there's probably just like juts, yeah, man. you know, like jutted, whatever. And I think there was a disk drive in that thing too. So that must. I don't know how they did that. Cause I built my own computer like back in like 2015 mm-hmm. and I would not have been able to fit that all that in, in there in that iMac frame. So Steve Jobs, impressive. Steve Jobs, F and A man, Steve Jobs. May you rest in peace. <laughs> RIP. Uh, Seth's looking to buy a bus ticket on the internet to Austin. Uh, Sandy comes in. And he says, like, hey, someone who matched Ryan's description was spotted on the pier. He got in a fight down at the diner. We need to go find him before the authorities do. Uh, so he convinces Seth to uh, hop in the car and just drive around looking for him. How was Seth's description not also <laughs> involved in yeah, this Yeah, right. Fight? He, was, he was, like, he was more there. involved in the fight than Ryan. It's a good point. Um, I guess Seth probably didn't have a missing persons alert out for him. So True. Ryan's was more noticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marissa's at a party with the noopsy kids. Uh, Luke's friends are talking shit about Ryan and talking about beating him up and burning his trailer down in whatever trailer park he's living in. Yeah. And Marissa gets upset by that and leaves. Yeah. leaves in a huff. You don't know him. You don't know anything about him. <laughs> Which is a very dramatic soap opera-ish line yeah. to throw in there. Sandy and Seth are out looking for Ryan. Um, They talk about Seth ever running away. Like uh, Sandy has, once again, a great dad moment where he's just talking about like, you know, I've never taken an easy breath since the day you were born. <laughs> right. Yada yada yada, you know. I had never. So want Seth you to is like, away. so I'm like asthma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sandy's really, yeah, kind of pouring out his heart to to Seth yeah. a little bit. Um, but Seth is like, okay, so if we find him, then what? You know, he goes back to live with his mom. Yeah, I'd run away too. Right. <sighs> Marissa shows up at the model home. She's clearly, clearly ready to bone. She's absolutely. She's, she's like, what if I just stay the night here with you? (laughs) Yeah. There's candlelight. (laughs) Just, just to hang out. Yeah. The candles are. Yeah. Just to hang out. Um, Ryan declines. Yeah. Pretty dramatically. Yeah, Yeah. She knows what she's down for. Um, and Marissa runs out once again in a huff. Yeah. Ryan's like, if listen, if you stay the night, like I know I won't be able to leave in the morning. Uh, cause it's, it'll be so magical and <laughs> we will connect on a soul level and we're from different worlds and I can't stay here. So he tells her like, <laughs> just like the classic, like, uh, Leave. Get out of here. I don't want to see you again. <laughs> Go on, get. get. Go on, get. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she runs out. He tur- And, like, after he says that, I don't know if you notice, he, like, turned away, like, super dramatically. Like, get out of here. <laughs> and then we see her, like, running super dramatically out of the house. Like, ah. 
Yes. <laughs> um, we do get a music cue in here. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Hallelujah absolutely. by Jeff Buckley, which is like the definitive version, right? That everybody loves. Yes. Um, Marissa specifically says, This song makes me think of you. <laughs> yes. This is on the model home mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it would have hit a little harder if it wouldn't have shown up in Shrek two years earlier. <laughs> right. Um, we get a few like quick cut scenes here. We get one where Kirsten is calling her banker to transfer money. Yes, one hundred thousand dollars, please. Um, <laughs> um uh Seth and Sandy, they kind of have like a little scene where they're riding in silence. Yeah. Um, we have a scene of Marissa driving away from the model home and crying. The dr- um, Marissa driving and crying, drive and cry, the old drive and cry, the old drive and <laughs> cry, the old drive and cry. Um, <laughs> we get this scene, which is kind of confusing because I don't know how Luke knows that Ryan is at the model home, but he shows up at the model home. Um, yeah, how did, with I mean, his boys. That's a good question. How did they figure out? Because it feels like Marissa wouldn't have told him. No. Unless it's like a weird revenge thing that she was like, he told me we couldn't bone, so uh, I'm going to sick <laughs> my boyfriend on you. Um, they get into a fight. Some candles tip over in the scuffle. Big fire starts. House starts burning down. Luke and his boys leave. They kind of like, as they're leaving, they're like, he was still breathing, right? <laughs> like, because we have an alibi. Yeah. They were um, legit afraid that they killed him. Yeah. Um, they start leaving, but before they leave, Luke runs back in, pulls Ryan out of the house, and leaves. Or maybe that's when they have that discussion is when they leave him on yeah. the outside of the house. They make yeah. sure. That, yeah. It's actually back at the party when they are like, okay. <laughs> Basically, he wasn't dead, right? But yeah, we see we get a little scene of uh Jimmy Cooper watching the 1986 finals game, seven, or was it the 1986? Oh, because right, he says 1986, but his mouth clearly says 1988. Who brought Sh- this up to us? Jimmy Myers had messaged Jimmy me, friend of the show, yeah. uh, guest of, of Reliving the Lights. Um, yeah, weird ADR situation. I didn't notice it. Did you notice it? I did notice it actually right away because I had forgotten that Jimmy even texted me. And as soon as I saw his mouth move, I was like, oh, yeah, there's that's. Yep. I saw on the IMDb page that it's an ongoing continuity error of how old Jimmy. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Uh, so either 1986 or 1988, did the Lakers play the Pistons in both of those years? See, that's and what I would have thought it was. A, seven? That's what I would have thought it was like a continuity thing where. So that would have been East and West, right? So yeah. Lakers, they did play in, in 88 or 86. Lakers versus Pistons, 1988. Yep. Yep, they both played in years, both. So interesting. A couple of dynasties. Yeah. It was the Bad Boys Pistons. Yep. Yep. And I assume you had Magic Johnson and James Worthy mm-hmm. and Lambeer and all those guys. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he even was, yeah, he referenced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, he also kind of tells Julie. He starts to mention the financial situation. She's like, "I don't care. I want to hear Jenny. about it. I want to know." <laughs> and he's like, "I just want to let you know that I took care of it, or it's taken care of." So she then she yeah. is like, "Oh, that's so great." Mm-hmm. So I think she knew deep down somewhere. Yeah, Marissa comes in in the midst of all that. She's obviously upset. Jimmy goes to talk to her. She's crying, sobbing on her bed, and uh, he says, "Come on, you can tell me what's wrong. We tell each other everything." Marissa says. Do we? Um, so she's obviously not impressed by her dad's financial troubles. Mm-hmm. Next, we see Seth and Sandy in the car still. Um, Sandy gets a call and he just responds, We'll be right there. Uh, we assume and we know in that moment that he is made aware of the fire at the mm-hmm. home. Next, we see Luke back at the party and people are very wasted at this point. Um, this is where Luke and his friends yep. worry that, uh, did we kill that guy? I <sighs> yep. I see that in my notes now. I remember yep. it differently, but yep. yep. Um, get a little scene of Sandy and Kirsten and Seth. They're showing up at the model home. Uh, we say it seems like somebody has been living there. Uh, Seth immediately owns up to it, says it's my fault. Yeah. Uh, we see Ryan trying to hitch a ride out of there. Uh, Luke actually stops for him. Um, he has apparently gone back to make sure Ryan's okay. Uh, he stops for him. He tells Ryan, Hey, if we both keep our mouth shuts, if we both keep our mouth shut, they'll never know it was us. Yeah. Um, then back at the Cohen household, we see, Seth is telling Sandy what happened. At, at least that Ryan was living there. Maybe yeah. not the fire part of it. Um, yeah, because Seth was not aware of the fire, right? Right. He, yeah, he wasn't there. But yep. Yep. Um, and he he has this line. Seth says, "You force me to live amongst these pod people, and then the first <laughs> cool person I meet, you kick him out of the house." Um. And then Sandy says that the police want to ask him more questions. Yep. Um, they catch Ryan. He apologizes to Sandy and Kirsten. Yeah. Well, Luke uh, drops him off. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Kind of and then deal. Luke Luke also steps up during the apology to say that what happened was an accident. Kind of, you know, um, accepts his involvement. Uh, they're both arrested. Sandy tells them to both not answer any questions without him present. Yep. Keep your mouth shut. And yep. that's says, it. I'm his, he says, I'm his attorney about Ryan. Uh, and he just says, Ryan, like, I don't ask any questions without him present. And then he basically tells them both, like, both of you just keep your mouth shut. Yep. That's it. Roll credits. End of the episode. We'll be right back with our rewards for the week. All right, we're back. 
it's time for our awards of the week. We're going to start this week like we always do with our Sandy Cohen, America's dad, inspirating. Anthony, how inspiring was Sandy Cohen this week? Probably not up to first episode, but I th- I feel like still up there. Yeah, not quite first episode, but I think his little kind of confessional moment with Seth in the car where he kind of said like, you know, having kids is tough. I haven't taken an easy breath since you were born. Um, probably knowing when you were born, I knew that I would never take another easy breath for the rest of my life. So it's not even, you know, a temporary thing. Um, him, you know, I mean, going out and trying to find Ryan for, you know, into the wee hours of the night, Mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive. Um, I mean, I still got to put him at like, I'm, I'm saying a seven minimum, you know? Yep. Yep, I was thinking a seven or an eight, uh, so I think a seven is pretty fair. Was it in this episode? Remind me, or was it last episode where he said where Kirsten asked him what is it about this kid, and he was like, "That would that's have been this me. episode." Yep, that's this episode. All right, let's go. With that was eight, yep, yep. That Bump it up. Line. All right, we're gonna go with an eight on the inspo rating uh, for this week. Marissa Cooper Hatometer. How much are we hating Marissa at this point? She's pretty um, sympathetic right now. I shouldn't even say sympathetic. Uh, she is, you know, helping out Ryan. Mm, uh, but the dramatic <laughs> thing at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just going to go Where with the flat. Runs like a girl away from the flat zero. Showing up ready to bone. Not getting it. Yeah. Running away dramatically. So I'm going to go okay. with the, just a flat. Neutral. Neutral. Okay. I can go with neutral. I would probably still go. I think I'm always going to be a little lighter on the hate meter than you sure. are for Marissa. Fair. Mm-hmm. But I'm fine. I don't think still. we'll. I was going to say, I don't think we'll ever hate her as much as Julie, but season three, Marissa is really bad. Really? Like season three, Marissa is probably worse than all Julie Taylor. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, Ryan Atwood straight out of Chino punch or be punched counter. Just the one, right? Or no, two, 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 two. two. Okay. We had the the fight at the diner and then the fight at the model home that turns into burning down the house. Obviously. Yeah. All right. So we'll add two to that, which puts us at a total of five, I believe. Seth Cohen, goofus, malufus moment of the week. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Nothing's coming to mind. Looking through the notes here. (laughs) I mean, we're a little skeptical of this, but maybe the moment where he is like shitting on Marissa for saying she's into punk and then Marissa like totally coming over the top with a bunch of legit punk bands. Uh, yeah, I would say like between that and the on the road scene, I think maybe just his pretentiousness throughout. Yes. And then getting schooled by Marissa who knows enough of her shit to. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. Jimmy and Julie Cooper ball move of the week. Uh, asking an ex-girlfriend, a married ex-girlfriend with a child for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yep. 
That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Pretty easy. Uh, notable music cues. What do we have? We had Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. I know that yep. one. And Rufus Wainwright, California. Yep. There was another one in here that like I wasn't able to Shazam. So I think those are the only two that I wrote down. All right. What's your, if we have to choose one to be the iconic music cue of the week, are we picking Rufus or are we picking Jeff? Listen, I think Jeff's had enough acclaim. I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to give the edge to Rufus. He deserves it. Yeah. Outdated early 2000s reference of the week. We had another Avril Lavigne. Another Avril Lavigne. Another uh, use of the word queer as an insult. Yep. Yep. Uh, we've got, uh, yeah, the, the, we got a couple themes going for this, for sure. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Can't either. Maybe a mix, giving somebody a mix CD. Giving very, someone a mix CD. I feel like we talked about that with Friday Night Lights as well. But yeah. Yeah. I, and I've, you know what, I feel like that is, that was a good thing. And, uh, I agree. 100%. We missed that. All right. Quote of the episode. The only one that I've written f- down is, you know what I like about rich kids? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I wrote down a few, you know what I'm thinking? This being your last night and all, we should do something special. I don't know what possibly get a couple of tattoos and smokers and lose our virginity. Right. All right. I don't know. There's a shark movie at the IMAX. If that's what you're into. <laughs> um, the whole interaction about Kirsten's cooking and the meatloaf incident of 98 was pretty funny. That's all I wrote down. I think probably the, you know what I like about rich kids. Nothing is a little more iconic than anything yeah. else. So. All good quotes, though. Okay. MVP of the episode. Who won this episode for you? Definitely not Jimmy. Definitely not Kirsten. Definitely not nope. Marissa. Definitely not Luke. Nope. nope. So that leaves us Seth, Sandy, Ryan. I don't think Summer's in this episode hardly at all. She's like on the phone. So yeah, you're right. Count her out. Um, we didn't mention that Marissa's little sister's horse has alopecia. <laughs> we didn't uh, mention that. I think like, maybe yes. the alopecia horse <laughs> might be an MVP, MVP candidate. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I immediately went Ryan in my mind, but I can't really make a great case for him. Right. I think there's a good case to be made for anybody. I mean, like, cause my mind also defaulted to Ryan, which is, uh, um, Uh like Seth is in the running, but also he's really showing his douchebaggery pretentiousness here. Maybe Sandy has the best case. I feel like, you know, like, especially the ending where, well, okay. So he goes out and he looks for Ryan because he wants to find yep. him before the authorities do. And then at the end, he's like, I'm this kid's attorney. Please don't ask him any yeah. questions without me present. You guys keep your mouth shut. So 
maybe it's Sandy again. Gotta say it is. Feels a little vanilla, but we're gonna go with it. it. Does. Sandy Cohen, yeah. congratulations! You are this week's MVP of the episode. On a scale of one to ten, how do you how do you feel about this episode? How good was it? It's definitely a bit of a step down from the pilot. It, yep. I mean, it definitely feels less less self contained. Um. A lot more open ended, a lot more mm-hmm. cliffhanger. A, yeah, a lot more directions yeah. that you can go from here. Um, man, I think which you know is is positive and negative. It has both. So I'm gonna say this is. I'm feeling like an eight. It's fair. In my mind, I had a I had a seven, which is kind of considering our history is kind of our middle of the road. This mm-hmm. is a good episode of TV in the big picture. But yes. for this series, it is, you know, just kind of middle of the road. So Yeah. No, I'm willing uh, to go down for sure. This is it's an interesting episode because and I feel like this has happened to me every time that I've watched it since the first time I've watched it. That I'm like, oh, the model home was only episode two. I right. thought that that happened. It felt like a bigger later deal. in the yeah, season. Like, yep. Season one covers a lot. It's a 27 episode se- uh, season. I can't imagine where there we're is going. so <laughs> much. Oliver happens this season. I that um, blew my mind when I saw that the other day. <laughs> that Oliver was in season one. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like mid late season one. That is. Wrapped up by the end of season one. That's yeah, that's insane. Um, there's there's a lot of twists and turns. I don't even want to say anything more than just names because <laughs> even even saying some names together might be shocking to to a first time viewer. So, um, yeah, uh, this is yeah. It feels it's. I'm I'm willing to go down to a seven because it is a little. Yep. It's a little middle of the road. Yep. All right. Let's go with it. We got a seven for this episode's rating. Uh, That's it. That leaves us with just one final thing. What's our lesson of the episode? What's the moral? What's the takeaway that we can apply to our everyday lives? All right. I got one. All right. If you are hiding out in an abandoned household, please, please be very careful if you are using candles and open flames as a light source for your habitation. It is very dangerous. My wife regularly leaves candles burning. uh, Same. And it freaks me out. So. Please be careful with all open flames, especially if there are cans of paint near where your candles are. My wife regularly leaves open flames burning without telling me about them. Sometimes I'll like I'll go somewhere for lunch and then be like, oh, there's four candles burning in our apartment. Yikes. Would have been nice to know. <laughs> um, Would have been nice would have said something maybe blow out your candle before blow out this candle before you go anywhere um yeah gotta agree not a candle guy 
Kalos kind of freaked me out. Um, it's not necessary. I think my lesson is if you are a well-off person, mm-hmm. a well-to-do person with a family and a normal life, and an ex hits you up for six figures. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't be so quick to to do that. Because even if you've got the money, irresponsible on like a fidelity level. Yeah. But also, he's probably thinking that you're, that you're also, if you're willing to give up the money. Mm-hmm. You're willing to give it up. Yeah. That you're ready to to bring it full circle, rekindle old flames, if you will. <laughs> yes. At least maybe think about it for more than five seconds. Yeah. Which Kirsten does not do. Like old friends is one thing. And granted, it's a different situation. I just uh. this comes back to how much is a real estate developer in the OC. Right. It does, in yeah, yeah. Two thousand three. Uh, what are they making? But no, that's too much. Kirsten, yeah, that's we we can learn our lesson. We can take definitely take our uh, lesson of the episode to not do that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's too much. All right, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of our awards for the week. Uh, before we go, I just want to say shout out to our listeners in the West Indies. I would like to say shout out to our listeners in Laos and our listeners in Wales. Wales. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, definitely shout out to our listeners in Wales. It's been great, uh, getting our first recording session in here, Anthony, uh, the OC rocks. It just does. It's so good. It's, it's really show. bringing me back. Um, yep. I know that I've got a lot of thoughts and I'm, I'm kind of re-resonating over those thoughts that came to me. And I think there's going to be more of those thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, that will come up, uh, thematically through the rest of the show so i'm I'm really excited to see where the show goes because like we've said it's so interesting because there's f- only four seasons so theoretically shorter than friday night lights but also every season is yeah. hella long uh-huh. so it's actually more it's like 20 more episodes than oh, really <laughs> so um knowing our track record and knowing that the pandemic is more or less over. Um, we're probably on this train to like 26, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Good. Good to know that I have something to do for the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, thank you all for listening along with us. If you haven't checked out the OC yet, you can find it on HBO max for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also on Hulu currently. Hulu. And yes. if memory serves, I think it's at least on one more streaming service. Let me just yep. more watch options. HBO Max, Hulu, and season one at least is on 2B TV, which is one of the great streaming services currently going. Go check out 2B TV. Uh yeah. they are uh 
very jarring in their advertisements, but sure. you know, you can find stuff on there that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. So it's go wild. watch the OC there. Uh, if you don't have HBO max, if you have HBO max, go ahead and watch it there, but just make sure you skip the first 10 to 15 seconds of every episode yeah. where they advertise for the other OC podcast, which we which, were, yeah, we're talking about because we're, we're beefing. We're gonna talk to we're gonna talk to HBO Max about getting this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, can we get a can we get a, sh- a little uh, equal time equal time? Episodes? Yep, it's only fair. It's only fair. Um, and on that note, I would like to take a moment to say, Melinda Clark, Rachel Bilson, come on the show. Come on the show. Come on the show. Yeah, talk to you. What do you have to lose? All right, that's it. We'll see you next week for another episode. This place is a first-class dump, and I like it.